Hey guys, <clears throat> it's still on Gamble, one third of the two and five senior podcast group. A little addendum to tonight's episode due to some technical difficulties. It didn't post on time, and I'm sorry about that. And it meant to be posted earlier on uh, June 3rd, Friday night, and it didn't quite happen for whatever reason. I would like to say, on behalf of all of us, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love doing this, we love giving, you know, spending time on writing and getting organized, hopefully sophisticated to some level uh, and knowledgeable talks about our favorite team, the Philadelphia Phillies. And we'd love if you guys listen. We would even love um, if you guys chimed in with any thoughts that you might have. So that being said, no big changes to today's podcast. We do run down the Angels opener a little bit in the preview, but there's not much to say about that. Um, our hopes were fulfilled. Right? Matt's hope that the young stars in Boom, Maton, and Stott would carry through did. Those guys performed wonderfully. Um, our hopes that the offense would be going were fulfilled. That was amazing. Our collective sigh of relief about Rob Thompson and getting his first win could be had. So that was awesome, as well as Eflin's um, standout performance, and not to not mention Moniac's. I know he had just one single, but he also had that astounding, uh, I think it was a third deck foul ball on an 0-1 pitch, and that raw power was really fun to see. But the main focus of today's podcast, as I'm sure everywhere else in the Phillies landscape, was the firing of Joe Girardi and the uh, installation as Rob Thompson, the bench coach, as the new manager. So I really hope you guys enjoyed the pod. We had a blast making it, and thanks for listening. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the 215 Seamer Podcast. I believe this is episode 18, which according to my calculations is one more than 17. So I'm back this week. My, my name is Connor, and I'm here with the usual suspects, Dylan and Matt. Always Glad to be back. Today. <laughs> Glad to be back. Yeah, it's, it's nice to be back. Huge news today in the Philadelphia sports world. Joe Girardi, Joe Girardi has been canned, has been canned. fired, has been deleted, eliminated from this clubhouse. However you want to say it, he is gone. And I know I, I sound... IQ has to be above a 50 to be allowed to manage a team. And that was one of the main reasons they fired him. <laughs> we have opposite ends of the spectrum either. on this pod. And I'm not rooting for Joe, but I... We have the get the hell out of town spectrum. I hate you. You have the, you know, the IQ of a can of corn, which showed up on your desk today. Or we have, is he a scapegoat? I think it's interesting. I want to explore our different I, kind of opinions. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think that, um, Dylan, I think you should start us off with uh, your take on the firing sure. of Joe Girardi. I, I agree with, with Connor to a pretty good extent in that I, don't enjoy the managerial decisions of Joe. And I think the managerial decisions are bad, but it's more interesting is just leaving Aaron Dola too, you know, in too long for a game this week. Uh, does messing up a few bullpen decisions, is that what makes a manager's firing? Or is it the scapegoatism of, if that's even a word, of having a expensive yet somewhat poorly constructed roster that's not producing at all and it's easy to say, okay, we're going to put it on the manager. It's not like Joe's calling plays. It's not like Joe has a 
you know, he has a game plan, but it's not the same effect as in football or basketball, as you can point to. It's the manager's fault directly. At least I don't think so. So I think you have a bit of a scapegoat of this team not performing well. It doesn't have anything to do in the bullpen. He doesn't have anybody to turn to. So that makes it even harder. It is interesting, and I want to hear what you guys think. Um, when Dombrowski said we need a new voice and a new change in the locker room, do you guys think there were, you know, was Bryce Harper, was Reese Hoskins, was JT, the kind of big voices in this locker room, do you guys think they were kind of at odds with Joe or discontent with the situation? I mean, to be fair, I don't think from a fan perspective, I don't know about you, Connor, or you, Dylan, but I could never tell, at least for the past couple of years, who was the team leader, who was the guy who was saying stuff. And I mean, we heard, uh, you know, about a month back that Bryce Harper called like a players only meeting that happened after like that really abysmal loss where like they, you know, gave up like seven runs in like the ninth and whatnot. But like, that was the first time I think I've ever heard of a players only meeting in the last couple of years that it actually happened that, and he was the one who was leading the charge. And at that point I was like, Oh, this might be the turning point. Like we've, we finally know what's going on in this clubhouse. This is the established voice. This is the guy who's going to come out and just say, you know, sack up or like we need to do this or we need to do that and be constructive about it. I don't know how Bryce Harper really operates when it comes to being a leader in that sense. Um, Because I've, I've felt that the Phillies have been quite private with their dynamic, the players at least, you know, and and their feelings. Like, yeah, I mean, that and, you know, Reese Hoskins destroying a trash can in the dugout after, like, you know, a bad pop-out or just a bad ground-out or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the only emotion I have seen out of this team in years. Like, genuinely. Like, besides, like, the occasional, like, oh, manager getting thrown out of the game for fighting with the umpire and showing a little passion, a little heat whatever it is, but that literally is, it's so it's, I can count on one hand how many times this has happened, like just seeing emotion for this team. So like, I I frankly don't know, like who is the voice if there is a voice where they're just there to get a paycheck at the end of the day and they don't really care. I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, we'll see for sure. uh, In this this few days here. Uh, I think what you said about Reese, like, going off in the trash can there. I don't know if that's really leadership as much as it is emotion, like you said. Um, right. Like Yeah, just like seeing any the, type of passion. Yeah. Yeah, none of the guys have any – or none of the pitchers, anyway, have any sort of pulse on the mound, which you could argue is good, but when it's like literally none of them, and when it looks like they just don't care, uh, that's a bit alarming. Um, Schwarber's ejection was the last time I've seen any fight or like just any heart um, from any of the hitters. Um, Even when he hit that two-run homer, when he was rounded the bases, he was he was like he was yeah, so straight hyped. faced. Like, no, 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 he, no, he was he no, he did. He was he was so hyped when he was rounding third. He like he you know he uh, he slapped uh, Dusty Wathen or Wathen's hand and was like. It's about time. Like you could see it on, like he mouthed, he like shouted. It's also hitting under 200. So it's about time. Yeah. (laughs) 
But yeah, it's about time. You're right, Kyle. It is about time. But it's like, you know, like I, I saw the passion. I, I really did see the passion in him in that moment, like when he was rounding third. And I was like, you know, that's something. And, you know, maybe that Giants game, that finale, like, you know, really was the turning point. I don't know if it was the right decision to fire Joe Girardi, but I'll get into that when I, on my turn. But yeah. Yeah. So Girardi, I mean, he did lose the Phillies game. We all know where I stand on Girardi. I think he's an idiot. <laughs> managing for too long. I mean, there's – he could have been one and done. There could have been an argument that he should have been canned after 2020. The Phillies, with eight games left in the season, needed two wins, and they got one. I mean, if that's – there's no direction with the team. They say they want to make playoffs. But to make playoffs, you need a healthy mix of young players, vets, leaders. Right now, the Phillies have no young players. You can make an argument for Alec Boehm if you want to, but he's he's slipping as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the veteran, everyone's a veteran. I don't think they have a single rookie on the team anymore, except for Moniak and Maton, who are. Not going to get a lot of time because the Phillies hate playing young players. Uh, and they have no leaders. I mean, you can yell all you want. You can throw a chair in the clubhouse. I'm going to swing things over to the Flyers here a little bit. Um, not to bring hockey into it too much, but I think Claude Giroux was a really good leader for the Flyers. You know, he wasn't – he never got really upset. He wasn't really – really a throw chair guy on the bench he would like keep the guys up keep the boys up um he knew what he was doing at all times he knew that he that young players could go to him uh for guidance or if they had questions or anything like that i don't really see a veteran here that's like taking accountability yeah. taking responsibility for any of this maybe i'll change tonight because joe got fired like i don't maybe Maybe Zach Wheeler or JT or Reese goes, yeah, we we suck this season because as an offense, we can't score when we need to. As a staff, we can't hold leads. As, as starting pitchers, we can't go deep enough in games when we need to. As hitters, we can't get those timely hits when we really need them. And I'd be surprised if we don't see any of that or we didn't see that tonight because that's how it usually goes, right? When one person yeah. gets traded or when someone gets fired, it's the same with a hitting coach or a pitching coach. Like, oh, that's – we need to do a better job this. Mm -hmm. We need to do a better job that. So just to open it up to you guys there, I think there's a lack of accountability um, and not so much – not so much example, but voices – yeah. Like there needs to be a guy that everyone can look to, whether that's Bryce or JT or Reese or whoever they want it to be. Like they need to identify one guy in that clubhouse that they can go to. And they know that he can always be counted on because there is really a lack of leadership in that clubhouse. And maybe it's because they're bringing in too many free agents and everyone's looking to the right or to the left of them thinking that. Yeah. You know, this guy's on a $100 million contract. This guy's on a $100 million contract. 
maybe that's what they're thinking and they're, they're expecting the multi-million dollar players to step up and be that guy. But I mean, why not Reese or why not, why not even Alec Bohm? He's a homegrown player for a while. I mean, he showed accountability when he, when he uh, said, yeah. you know, whatever he said a while ago. So that showed leadership. I think he could be the guy. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think? I, resignation, not to cut you off. No, no, you're, super quick. I think resignation yeah. is the thing we've all been seeing. And I like to think that Bryce is the leader, but you look at Bryce and there, you know, you can only do so much. And especially as a DH, you can only do so much, but he looks resigned. And I think that's what we're angry about because you look at it in any sport, right? You look at Embiid in the playoffs. And as much as I don't want to sound like Charles Barkley, when he gets resigned and he moves around, the whole team moves around. And it's easy to be resigned. But I think that's what we're seeing. Matt, what, what were you going to say? Sorry. No, I actually really like that you made the comparison to the 76ers and Embiid uh, in that because, you know, I think that, you know, the reason like Embiid doesn't win the MVP award this year or last mm -hmm. year is like because he talks about it a lot. He tells the media. I mean, he, it's great that he's transparent. He's like, I want to win this award. I'm working hard to win this award. But it's like, bro, the process isn't about the MVP award. The process is about getting to the championship, winning the championship for yourself, for the city. You know what I mean? Like, if he just focused on winning the championship instead of like, or talking about winning, like, like talking about winning the MVP and talked about like winning the championship and I don't care about the MVP maybe the Sixers would be in a different place the last couple of years. I don't know. I mean, granted, injuries played a big role in why the Sixers have not been successful. But, you know, also, if Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid were on the same team, probably would have made it to the championship by now. Right. But that's a different, that, that's a different story. Back yeah, to basically jump in here quickly. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why the Phillies were so good, like 10 and 15 years ago, goes back to the leadership like yeah oh yeah chase or chase homegrown Jimmy. player homegrown player yeah and like not even that like they know that the shit that's going on here that's not gonna fly exactly like, yeah and they they all came up more or less together like it like maybe a few years yeah, apart sure. here and there but the thing is like if you think about it the the, the team that the phillies put on the field in 2008 like 2009 basically besides their left fielder and their uh their left fielder their and their uh center fielder and their third baseman everyone else was homegrown talent at every position like besides those three positions those were the like those three players you see it in the Mets now too they have a core of like homegrown players and supplemented but yeah, I mean, the Mets have their fair share of curses as well. Like, Queens, I mean, like, basically curses every starting pitcher that comes comes there. But, like, the thing is, you know, the Phillies have their own curse, which is either the fact that no one can build a bullpen that actually works here or just no bullpen arm can succeed here. I don't know. It's like building a house without a foundation. Mm -hmm. The foundation is. is your young players. It's how, you know, you can't build a house without its foundation. Exactly. There's the foundation, and then you just fill in the gaps around them. You exactly. Develop some in the stars, and then you go out and sign your, you know, you're just supporting cast. That's exactly. Supplement, really supplementary characters. They develop extremely well. 
they don't even need to go out and sign free agents and they win 100 games every year. Exactly. I mean, like the thing is that that is that is the formula. Pat Gillick did that for the Phillies. You know, he did it for multiple organizations. He did that, you know, and he won multiple World Series for that reason. The thing is, you're seeing a repeat right now, like just getting back to the whole firing of Dombrowski. I personally think it's more of a scapegoat firing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm on, I'm more on that end. I, I think it's 60 to 65% scapegoat and then like 35 to 40% like his just extreme lack, of, like inability to manage this team Idiocy. correctly. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, like, I think his, his bullpen rule is absolute crap. I yeah. think that, you know, I was looking at uh, some statistics saying that like, if Joe Girardi had managed the games that he actually lost for the Phillies correctly and the Phillies ended up winning those games, the Phillies record right now would be 26 and 25. So good, but not great. You'd be above 500, one. You'd be in second place, two. And obviously you'd still be like seven or so games behind the Mets, but you'd be trending in an upward direction, hopefully, at this point in the season. Joe Girardi probably would still have his job if that were the case, if they were 26 and 25, you know, like, that's the thing. I I do think Joe Girardi in a way does know what he's doing. I think that he just didn't know what to do with this Phillies team the past three years. I think that I agree with Connor that, you know, after the 2020 season, that was a little dicey, but because it was the COVID season, only 60 games, you know, you give him a full season, you see where he's at. They gave him all of 2021. I mean, he went above 500, but they could have feasibly gotten to the playoffs last year. Obviously, they had to collapse. Aaron Nola didn't do well. Reese Hoskins got injured. There were there were factors, but the thing is, but that's part of managing. That like, that's part of managing around those things. There's never yeah. going to be, and they were never out of it. They were never out of it until the last week, and even in the last week, they were still in it. And he decided to start the last game of the season with Hans Kraus, an unproven double A ball player, to start the game, and he got rocked. And you know, like they lost another game to the Miami Marlins, just like another game lost to another bad team. You know, and now right now, I'm pretty sure the Marlins and the Phillies are tied for third place. 12 games behind, you know, the Mets, but the Mets are probably going to be sliding a little bit just because, you know, starting pitching injuries, as well as the fact that they're playing better teams now. So like, you know, when you're playing a better team, it's going to be much harder, even if you are a good team to win games, you know, in the Phillies season, like hard part of the season is coming to an end in the next week or two. Not that the, this, the What's season, that? good news either that's not good news either because the phillies are a team that loves to lose against bad teams so it honestly makes me even more anxious and paranoid and it's about a jammed in schedule it is and it's a close pack yeah but without gene yeah and, and gene without gene gone for 10 to 12 weeks or 12 to 14 weeks uh, whatever uh, they said basically the entire yeah, it's like two months yeah two months i'm not like i mean like i'm worried that we just lost our our best defender but at the same time, I think that Bryson Stott is going to benefit so much from this. And, and I like what you kind of said in your article today is that and like what you mentioned earlier was that, you know, the Phillies don't like to play. And let me correct that. Let me correct that. Joe Girardi does not like to play young players or his prospects, even if they're doing well. 
And that was an issue that I've had from the very beginning with Joe Girardi. Adam Hazley. Yeah, like he kept favoring people who had major league experience, even though their major league experience was Roman Quinn hitting a career 150 batting average. Okay, well, he's gone now. We I know, I know. About I, him again. I know, I know, I know. Until they bring him back, like, next week. <laughs> Most likely. But, like, the thing is, you know, that's the thing. Like, even, like, you know, uh, Ronald Torres, he favored him because, you know, he was on the Yankees with him for a little bit. He knew him because he had major league experience. And he favored him over playing prospects that could benefit from major league time who just needed – the experience need the time and granted i get that mickey moniak struck out five of five out of the six at bats that he like came back in since injury six no he struck he struck out five times in six opportunities really yeah oh, i thought it was six for six even no. stevens no 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 five five out of the six were strikeouts okay. that's bad that's bad that's bad. That's really bad. It's you, really you couldn't bad. even make contact with the baseball. So right. But the thing is, I even said it, like I, I said it last week with you, Dylan. I was like, I really think that they're going to rush him coming back. Like I would have preferred. Well, he's also a power hitter now, apparently. So yeah. apparently. apparently, but the thing is like, I think that they rushed him coming back. I would have preferred him either coming back for this series against the angels or the next series against the brewers. I think it would have been fine if they waited until then, but, you know, prematurely they brought him back and they only let him play two games. I mean, like granted that you get the strikeouts, but the thing is, I agree. Stott and Moniak need to get everyday starts. Like I'm talking every day. I would to say them. to what you're saying. And I, and I agree. It's this weird balance. And in a way, I think this all makes it harder on Nebraska, right? With Gene out. I do think they need everyday starts. I do think they need to play, but Joe's reasoning behind all of this, as flawed as the execution was, mm-hmm. we need to win and we need to win now, and we're in a damn pinch, right? And we right. need guys to produce. So, who's and they did reasonably, yeah. But who's right now is what I'm saying. Stott's not going to fill that gene gap necessarily offensively. We but don't know he, who Margo he did, is. He just did. He just though. did. But like in the like in the one game, night, but I think, in the one yeah. game, like, but is like, that think... is that a ringer for a guy hitting under 200 the whole season? No, we don't know. We need like we need serious production. That's what makes me think at the deadline, does something happen with Dombrowski? Even if it's not in the infield, we yeah. know something needs to happen. And Dombrowski's ass is not, I don't know if it's on the line. I don't know if John Middleton's ever going to fire him because he's only here for two more years. But it's like, hey, Dom, you just fired your manager. How about we get some decent players for this new interim manager to play with? I do think the young players need to play. It's just if they tank, what do you do? That's That's my only concern. That's a good question. And I think that letting them play is going to be, you know, decision number one. Mm-hmm. I think that the fact that they brought up Maton and they're, and if they continue to bring up more of the minor leaguers to this team, I honestly think that because we don't know the dynamic of this clubhouse, and, and this is just my theory, I honestly think that either Bryson Stott felt a little lonely or just like, didn't have enough guys around him that like from homegrown talent because Bryson Stott's been in the minor league system for a couple of years now, you know, he's been playing with players like Alec Bohm, Nick Maton, and, you know, Francisco Morales, you know, there's no peers there. It's a good point. You know, there's no peers there where he can bond over it. He, it's just like him and all these guys who are like three, four, five years older than him getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars more than him to, underperformed more or less at times but the thing is he doesn't really have like 
I mean, like, I get that Bryce Harper is his friend from home and he's close with Bryce. Yeah, I was but, about to say, he's like, but, boys with Bryce. No, no, he is boys with Bryce, but like... Bryce and Bryce, and that's so funny to me. I'm sorry. No, I mean, that's like, yeah, you need, you need more than that. But the thing is, Maton comes up one game, goes two for four. Bryce and Stott also goes two for four and plays well in the field. And they're all buddy-buddy, like, throughout the game. They're giving each other high fives when they're making double plays and, like, closing out the game. Like, I could see that the energy was rose. And, like, the whole team, that lineup, did rise to expectations. They won the game six to five. They came back and they won it. You know, like, you could see that there was a little bit of a change. Like, you know, I could see that they lost you money. Yeah, but the Giants. Oh my God! Can't what blame you. Uh, I, I well, the Phillies were without Harper too, so there's like no yeah. chance they win this game. Is yeah. that something interesting too? That's is, a good what's point. What's going on with Harper? Is he? I know he's day to day with a forearm. Is it's that another so area of concern? I, it's the same. I think. I think it's still the UCL arm. It's still like he's just going to call it forearm. Yeah. Okay. They said yeah. forearm though. So. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder or if they're elbow. calling it that. If they're gonna say, "Hey, it's or elbow, long, whatever," we don't it is. want people to say, you know what I mean? Like politics. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I mean, like the thing is, like I could see there was the change just in general from that alone, and I feel like if you throw Moniac in center, you got Maton and and uh, Stott up the middle at second and short, playing with like Bohm at third. I think that's gonna honestly like create a whole new dynamic that needs to be allowed to grow especially with gene out especially with dd out and everything I like DD. If, any, yeah, I mean, right? <laughs> if anything too if we suck this year and if we have to throw in the towel by the deadline then you can fully ride that and then you say hey let's not dh bone and play camargo at third which i hate because i know camargo is better but you need to keep building bones confidence because he's playing better yeah but if exactly. we tank this year i say even if we don't but if we tank we can especially do that playing abuse man and play all of those guys all the time. Yeah, all the, all the time. And the thing is, you might find someone by the deadline who actually needs a shortstop. And if DD is doing well, that's for, <laughs> no, listen, 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 listen. This is a four, this is a 15, 16 million dollar contract that we could easily lift off of our books. And we don't have to deal with the option he's for next year. year anyway. No, he's got an so, option for next I mean, year. We could just eat the rest of it. Increases it's a team option, though. I think, I don't it's, think a, it's, it's a team option for next year, and I think it's like a, a couple, really like a couple million dollars. But the thing is, like, you know, all I'm saying is that I'd like to, like, at the deadline, if we're like really bad, like I'm talking like well, well out of contention, even yeah. for that wild card, I think we should start trading some of our big contracts, like even Gene Segura, like, like Gene Segura, DD. I don't know about JT. I'd like to keep JT personally. I think you keep JT and Bryce. Obviously, you can't trade Bryce Harper, obviously. I think you keep JT and Bryce. Yeah. And, and Alec Bohm, if possible. And I think yeah. those are, and Bryce and Stoddard game, those are really only 40 man roster untouchables. Now, those yeah. are a lot of players, but. Yeah. No, no, I know. And that's a lot of money tied up in there. But like the thing is, like, I honestly think that, you know, you start trading some of your infield because I just think that our infield depth, we have so much of it. There's so there's just so much congestion and you got to start letting people play like it's just it's getting to the point where like you can't keep holding these guys up in the minors anymore. I mean, we had a bunch of outfielders that were ready primed to even come close to debuting, but we let them go because we couldn't keep them on. 
you know, a lot of them got picked up off waivers and stuff like that during the offseason before the lockout because, like, the Phillies just didn't know what to do with them. And now they're like all o- like all over the farm systems of other people, you know, like we, <laughs> there was like, I think in our top 30 prospects last year, we had at least three or four outfielders that were close to MLB ready and they're all gone. They just were let go. Not it's never of- a quote unquote good problem to have. I feel like when you have a bunch of guys at the same position, that makes me worry about the catcher thing too. Yeah, exactly. It Marshawn, it's never because like Marshawn's coming back too. Marshawn's already started his rehab. He's so it's more like, MLB ready than Ohapo. Yeah, we'll I mean he's he's had he's had MLB experience already, and you know he's a good contact hitter as a catcher. I mean he doesn't have a lot of power, but like he, do, he definitely has the contact numbers for sure. So it's like and he's a great fielder and a great pitch framer, according to uh, you know, Girardi. Well, no, and not the rest Girardi. Of the crew. No, 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 just like just like the. The scouting report. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 What to be super quickly, Connor Matt, what do we think about this, you know, upcoming bludgeoning by Mike Trout and Shohei Otani? What do we uh, think about the series tonight? Dude, I'm saying the Phillies are sweeping the Angels this weekend. Oh, you said that last week and I had a lot of hope and we got swept. No, but I have a lot of hope this time because the Angels have lost like eight <laughs> in a row. Like, dude, the Angels have lost eight in a row right now. They're okay, we're a, due too. We're due too. We're due. Like Listen, it, it, one of these two teams is going to give. I just think that you know the shakeup with the firing of Girardi <laughs> is is going to be the Phillies over the Angels because, like, you know, I just I don't. Angels pitching is so bad. Angels pitching is so bad. Like, at, I've know, never heard of their starter who's telling tonight. He's a rookie. They just brought him up, but like he he pitched really well in his debut, and he's been like good the last couple starts. So, I mean, the Phillies haven't technically announced who their starter for tonight is, but it's supposed to be Zach Eflin. It says Eflin on Bleacher, so I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, but officially on, like, the Phillies website, oh, they, um, they haven't mm-hmm. determined it. No, I'm saying Zach Eflin's probably got something going on. He's always got something going on. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I don't know. Dude's just never healthy. <laughs> I just think he doesn't. Week. I just think he just never like pitches well. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I just like I I, I can't. I, I'm so mad that we are even paying Zach Eflin like five point six million dollars just to do what he does. Like it's embarrassing sometimes. He's one of the more frustrating pitching prospects because he's enticing to watch at first. You know? Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, Nick Pavetta was too. Vince, yeah, Velas- he really was. Vince Velasquez and Good even stuff. Cole and Cole Irvin. You know, like, but now I'm convinced all... Vince Velasquez's 16 strikeout game bought him yeah. like four extra years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. If he and didn't have that game, he would have been gone after like three years. He would have been gone. They were like, yeah. well, he could do it again, maybe. Yeah. And, and they like, he throws really hard. And he's, yeah. You know, like, it was the velocity. Yeah, exactly. I honestly think it was the velocity at times that like made him so good. But, and then like, it left, which was hilarious. Yeah. He, no, he started like 95 in the first two innings. And then, yeah. And then on it would the go rare occasion that he got into the fifth inning, it would be like 91. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It just it depleted significantly after that. Like, I mean, he used to be like one of those 95, 97 type guys, mm-hmm. but then his velocity just completely tanked after that. So it's like, what are you going to do? Good left fielder, though. Yeah, he was. He was a great left that. fielder. Rick and Keel. <laughs> oh, my God. 
what do you guys think about the elevation of Rob Thompson as the as the interim? And who do you think should be replace Gerard like Girardi or like be the permanent manager either if they find one during the season or for next year? For me to yeah, say I permanent, don't I don't know yet. Sorry, you go, Connor. I, I have no idea who Rob Thompson is gonna be honest. Yeah, well, Thompson's been with Girardi since 2017, so it's going, like, from one psycho to another. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then based on, like, candidates for next year, uh, I think we got to wait to see who else gets fired. Um, Because right now there's, like, no one that they can promote on a full-time basis. Uh, There's no real big names out there. There's probably a few like rising stars, I guess you could call them in the in the coaching world. But I think as of right now, um, their best move probably was either Thompson or Wathen. Um, just because Thompson's been like kind of learning, not from the best mentor, but he has been learning. <laughs> uh, and then Wathen obviously has the ex- managing experience, but it is in AAA. Uh, but he does know a lot of the guys in the clubhouse well. So there was that. I, I kind of expected it to be him, but they felt that Thompson was a little bit better than Soviet. Yeah. I mean, I think that because Thompson also had a connection to the Tigers at one point, that maybe there was mm-hmm. like something there with uh-huh. Dombrowski favoring him over. I also just don't know if Wathen was like, a good choice because like I think about it like the dude he's a shitty third base coach I'm gonna be honest. no he's terrible he's terrible as third base coach but he also I mean like he's this also no one knows how to run the bases yeah, yeah exactly awesome. this dude was in the minor leagues coaching for the Phillies for like quite a few years now and so like we were going on about I think what Matt is hinting at what I'm definitively saying is that yes we need more production out of this team and the expectations are higher But without a solid bullpen piece, and I know you guys don't want to listen to me week after week after week saying the same thing, but it's becoming more and more self-evident, is the bullpen maybe the thing to hold this team back? The starting rotation is really rounding into form. It's been very encouraging to see. I think the offense will round into form. Baseball is a weird sport. You know, it's, it's not like one set of evidence belays another set of evidence belays the production of the actual team. Um, do you think, Matt, it's the bullpen that may keep us inevitably from the playoffs? Uh, that's like a two-parter, really. So it's like it's the bullpen, but it's also the manager and how he manages the bullpen. I yeah. think that situationally, they're both going to be factors in if this team makes the playoffs. I just think that right now, Corey Knable is like a seventh-inning guy. Not even eighth. Not even eighth, because I think Sarah Anthony is just so good with the eighth inning that there's no reason not to use him in the eighth inning for the rest of the season. I think I that, you know, I don't know if we have some special type of player in our bullpen that could become the closer, inevitably become the closer, because, you know, it happens. It does happen where there's another pit reliever that just, you know, gets hot or if given the ball and can make a better impact. The thing is, my issue is that Joe is one of those guys that's like, he's not going to make a change until it's like you have a five ERA. 
no, you know what I it's mean? It's going like, to be like way H- too Hector late. Hector Norris, Hector Norris did not get taken out of the the closing role until it was. I mean, like it wasn't too late at the time when he did, but it was. It wasn't until his ERA ballooned that he wasn't, you know, finally replaced with someone else or three up or three other. Greatly. It did. It did benefit you know? them greatly because you also found out that Hector Norris was better in the sixth inning or the seventh inning than he was in the ninth, at least marginally better. Um, but the thing is, and that's how the Astros are using him right now. Hector Derrick is, is he not, not getting closing games. No, he's not closing games. See, for the why Astros. should we pay him? Like, because I know maybe he's not the closer, but I, I still also think, think that he just didn't better. want to be here. I honestly think that part really? of it. I don't know. I thought I he think, wanted to be here. Maybe I don't know. It's the money. Maybe it's the money, but I think you know he's benefiting career-wise. He's pitching very well in Houston right now, and yeah. you know Houston was a team that definitely needed a much better bullpen too. Like they 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 were bringing up terrible prospects to to They're fill out their team. bullpen. I mean, yeah, but they had an offense that plays consistently, and you know they had starting pitching that is real. They have a lot of starting pitching depth. I mean, think about it. This is a worry that I had. You know, we're having Bailey Falter come up yet again. Like someone who is just like a basically a minor leaguer does have MLB experience can. Open it's a game. Jarring though. The check that's your next guy. Starting for tonight. That's your like, next oh, yeah. guy. That's your sixth man. Imagine if someone in the starting rotation goes down. That's your sixth man, Bailey Falter. No offense to Bailey Falter. He did great against the Mariners when he had that one start. He pitched five innings or like four and two thirds, something like that. And there's, it was great. Like you're saying. And they won the game. Elite, but yeah, it's there's like. There's just nothing elite about Bailey Falter. Like, yeah. Not, not that we know of. I mean, like, you never know. He could. He could blossom into something that he could, but it's but it's the I just Ranger don't. debate again. None of his pitches are elite. I know, and I know that people have a lot of issues with Ranger Suarez. I'm big on Ranger Suarez. I have faith in Ranger Suarez, unlike a lot wow. of other people, because I know what he's been capable of, and I know that he, you know, he had a bad start against the Braves. You know, I mean, I personally thought he should have won that that matchup because I, you're going against Charlie Morton, who is plummeting very fast like charlie morton's still a good pitcher but like and still has like decent velocity because he's getting old man yeah he's like, 37 38 like i mean he's like really good late yeah he, he didn't start getting good until he was 33 34 so it's you know you know with the astros and then you know he had one good season with the braves so it's like you know I, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, it is a bit scary on the starting pitching depth, but I think that the starting pitching has been healthy and has been doing well, that I'm not too worried about that. I do think that the Phillies need to trade for a legitimate closer. Yeah. I think that is like a must need. I think that the there's no screaming need, the screaming need. And, and, you know, definitely th- package Reese Hoskins with like maybe a couple prospects. Like I think that, you know, Reese Hoskins is a great guy. He, he's, he's a decent hitter when he wants to be. But, you know, I don't think – I mean, we could save five, six mil by not, like, playing him. You know, Alec Bohm is a much cheaper option at first base. I and even Johan think... Camargo playing third isn't the worst option. I'd like to get a third baseman, a more proven third baseman, than Johan Camargo for every day, or at least platoon Camargo at third base with someone else. If that's the case, so you don't have the you don't have the long term bomb faith and in, in love that I do. I don't. No, think, no, I, think I do. I would love. To... I would love Bohm to stay at third. Don't get me wrong, but like I feel like it's almost harder to get a first baseman than it yeah. is to get well, uh, a 
and that's third the thing maybe. about Reese, right? Like you never, it, it's never someone who's like good at first base. They never played first base a lot, like in college or like as heavily in the lower tiers of the minors. It was always a really good athlete and fielder who wasn't quite able to cut it at third or somewhere else who gets moved to first. Reese, it's like, okay, I played center field, left field at Sacramento State, clearly not fit for that um, at the professional level of any sort of level. I, I would love to see Baum stay at third and maybe even play Camargo at first as a placeholder. I get it doesn't yeah, make sense. That's, no, 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 that's fine. I'm actually but okay with that too. Just for his development and yeah, for his confidence. I'm fine like, with that. If Camargo, I, I mean, Camargo can play first base. He's capable of doing that. He's dirty. And, <laughs> he's so yeah, good at fielding. He's good. He's, he's a great fielder. It would be a significant upgrade, you know, and I think that, you know, just rewiring Camargo to just like be that guy instead of like that utility, that, all field utility guy and letting him know, like, you're going to be our first baseman for this season. Do you think he would produce offensively with that? I don't know because like the thing is he didn't produce in Atlanta. He, as well as he could have. And he he, he tanked, he did, but I think that he's found confidence in, in, you know, having a new um, venue to play at Philadelphia you know, helped him a lot. And I think given this second chance, it's definitely boosted his confidence and he's, he's got a lot of swagger. He's got a lot of grit. And, and I really do like him as a person and as a player, I don't know if he is the long-term person at first base. And I don't know who we would get reasonably to come up either from our farm system, because I don't see a lot of our first baseman in our farm system being that great. Um, well, there's the guy in AAA, but we don't know how that will translate. Yeah, we don't. And, you know, he's probably, you know, next year he'd probably be able to come up. It, but that's if the Phillies are willing to move to him and just give him the starting spot right away over Camargo. And it depends on how Camargo does in the rest of 2022. It's just, I don't know. I just, I feel like for as much money as we're spending on this team, we got to get something back besides just a reliever. You know what I mean? Like, At I don't want to even before the deadline i mean people have already made trades luke williams went from got traded from the giants to the to the marlins yesterday but any you trade know. of major substance i feel like is more likely to happen at the deadline. maybe i mean like anything can happen in june 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 really like big trades can happen in june even sure. early july right before the all-star break so it's like not out of the question um for I just, Dave, though, Dombrowski doesn't like to do anything until it's like clock is ticking. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I don't know. From what we've that's seen true. out of him. That, that's true. That's true. But, you know, things might change. It depends. I just think, you know, this team might need a shakeup in some way. Yeah, I, and, I agree. You know, and, and, and I know that everyone is, you know, good friends and they all love each other on the Phillies. You know, they're all buddy-buddy and everyone loves Reese and Reese loves everybody. But it's like, I feel like, you know, trading him to like, I, like we need a closer. We need a closer. Like, I just think that it's time to stop messing around. They haven't in free agency signed a legitimate closer in it's three just, or four years. There is nothing, you know, you can hit on we it. We haven't had anyone since freaking Papelbon, exactly. to be fair. We haven't had any closer since Papelbon. Elite stuff, right? Like, you don't want someone like Kniebel coming in who has a 95 to 97 flat fastball that people can expect and a curveball that he cannot control. Yeah. Because he can't control people, expect a fastball. You need I mean, someone who comes in last after night, Aaron wild Nola, pitch, it's like run scores. Damn, he's good. Yeah, and then the, like it's just like this is going to hamstring the team. You need people with 
elite elite stuff and yeah you see that in jose alvarado but what does that really mean you can't throw it over the plate <laughs> uh, yeah don't even get me started it's crazy like that he's who we have to go to sometimes because i'm just like get it over the plate throw 97 or 98 if you have to i don't care if it's not one-on-one like just throw a strike alvarado for the love of god get it over the plate you have three pitches that you can actually throw maybe like it, it's hard. It, it make it, it's fastball variance, <laughs> fastball variance, sinker ball variance, and then possibly change up slash slider weird thing that's going on. I don't even know what to call that. <laughs> but it's like, thing. and then you have the right-handed version of Alvarado, which is just Jerry's familia, who is the, almost the same person. Only he's a righty, same ability to throw a hundred miles per hour too, and Move he man. also can't do it. It's just like. This bullpen is walking people at an alarming rate. And then when they let them, when they let players finally hit the ball or the players hit the ball, the fielders aren't fielding. Like because of the ball, they're hitting the shit out of the ball because they're they're waiting for a fastball. Yeah. Some of the time. But there are some times where it's like the infield or the outfield is just not making a play. And it's either, it's either Reese Hoskins. Or the outfield. I think most of the infield's pretty good. Maybe Bohm is Bohm is not like that great still. I hey, mean, like, hey, hey, Bohm's pretty damn Bohm's getting better. I know. Like, Listen, he's, he's, said he's playing with comments. I think he's, he I can't make the diving play down the line as much. I still think he's <laughs> an average, an average at least. Yes, no, no, no. I agree. With flashes of brilliance. Yes, average for sure, without a doubt. And I'm talking baseline. All flashes. Right? <laughs> like I'm talking baseline. And you know. Our outfield is below average. <laughs> I can't so even express. I can't express it. Like if fifty percent is the baseline, they're all like at forty-five or forty, because <laughs> frustratingly, I mean, you know, Castellanos moves like a headless giraffe. Schwarber but he's the best move. one out of the three. And he's the best one out of the three, which is the worst. Worst part about it, like Schwarber's second best, and then Oduble is abysmal. So it's just like, you know. I mean, like, think about it, you know, I just say, you know, when, even when, even if Moniac comes back, I see, I don't know what's going to happen. Who's going to get sent down? Is it going to be Quinn or Oduble? I don't know. Is it going to be Stott in terms of Didi eventually oh coming back? God. No, but like, I mean, yeah, but the thing is like, Moni, I think that Moniac is, Moniac is going to come back before Didi right yeah. now. And Didi is not going to play much this year, I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, and the thing is like, I think that Stott benefits from just being in the lineup every day, even though he honestly, it's like playing in the national old national league. He's pretty much like a pitcher and he's going to get out almost every time right now, which is unfortunate. But like, the thing is maybe beneficial for him, but is it beneficial for the team? Um, yeah, I think it's both because, you know, next year, who's going to be your starting shortstop? Are you going to take DD's sure, but $15 million dollar option? Yeah, but I'm also thinking for next year, too. Like, yeah, I, like no, next year, he needs to be ready to go. Absolutely. Right. And, and you know, Stott's going to have an entire offseason to get ready, fix things, change things, whatever. Like, but I'm still, you know, I want to give him what Bohm got last year, even though Bohm struggled significantly during his sophomore season. You know, not Bone as was, bad as Stott has struggled now, but I know what you mean. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like Bone was hitting like 220, you know, at the very least last year, 230, whatever. But it's like Stott's hitting 119, 
120 right now. And it, it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing be, for a top prospect. Like he's the number 40 overall prospect in baseball mm, right now. Jared Kalenic or Kalenic or however. Yeah, yeah I know. Name. He got sent down too. So did he get like, sent down? Yeah, he did. He got sent down. Um, oh, that's so funny. But it's like, but he'll probably be backed up eventually, knowing the Mariners. You know, the Mariners are just underperforming. The Mariners are the Mariners are underperforming way worse than the Phillies are right now. You know, they're in last place in the AL West, even though I they saw an been. article. It was Second. who's going to end their playoff drought first, Mariners or Phillies? Bro, it's not going to be. I don't know if it's going to be either of them. <laughs> I think right it's going to continue. <laughs> it, it, it might continue, but I, the Phillies definitely have a better shot than the Mariners. Like they, they have to just because of the payroll that they have, they should. Like it's getting to the point where we're getting like, I just need you see the, the movie money. The Lighthouse. I need to see the money. You know what I'm talking about? What the Robert Eggers movie, The Lighthouse? Where we I, I know the movie. Rob yeah, had yeah. It's like as Phillies fans, we're starting to get like that because we're like the payroll, the talent, the ability, and it's not <laughs> happening. Like and I, I agree completely. I'm on edge as well. It's like, oh my gosh, do we want to do a hyper quick Mets preview? Mm-hmm. So the preview is Bailey Falter versus former Phillies prospect Carlos Carrasco uh, for the Metropolitans in Queens tonight at 7:10. I don't know what's going to happen. Besides the fact that no Bailey Falter is going to be on the mound, and that's all anyone can tell you at this point. He's I think that the well Phillies will hit the Mets. Yeah, I mean. I, I, you know, I think the Phillies hitters will do well. I think it'll be okay. Um, I don't know how many innings he's going to go. He went four and two thirds, I think, the last time, maybe five complete mm-hmm. innings against the Mariners. Four and two thirds, yeah. So, you know, if he can do that or even get to finish out the fifth inning, I'll be okay with that. You know, um, I, 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 my worry is this you know, I don't know how Zach Eflin is going to do in game two. Zach Eflin's going up against Taiwan Walker, and Taiwan Walker has, for some reason, been able to just dominate the Phillies since coming to the Mets. Taiwan Walker was never good until he went to the Mets, and I don't know how they turned. Isn't him he struggling this year as well, though? No, dude, he's he's got like a two point five ERA. Is it someone low. else on the Mets that I'm thinking of? Some one of their guys was struggling. Maybe it was hyper early on. One of their guys was struggling, um, but he always blankets the Phillies. I do think. It's kind of a hard ask against game one and maybe the hottest team. They're nine and seven, whatever the last. Well, they've lost two in whatever. a row. They lost two. Lost, the yeah. Giants, which was great. The Jock, you know, I'm not a fan of Jock Peterson, but I wanted I to kiss Jock Peterson <laughs> on the face after he hit three home runs against the Mets in that epic game. I was like, thank God. What was I, I going like, to say? That's awesome. It's great. I'm worried that they've had two losses and they're coming back for a win, especially in what's going to end up being and they had a rest quasi day. bullpen game. You know, yeah. it's a tough ask to do that, but you don't want to be bargaining. I mean, Falter on has made three two. starts in AAA since uh, or he made a couple 17 starts. strikeouts in. He's got a sub. Innings. He's got a sub one. He's got a zero point zero zero ERA, and he's got a. Yeah, and it was it no Falter has a zero point zero zero ERA. He's got no ERA right now for the for the three games that he started in the minor leagues. Seventeen strikeouts. Yeah, and he's got like a point five eight or something like that whip. I'm like, okay, so he he got a confidence booster from the Mariners game, went back down to AAA and just absolutely killed it for for a couple starts. It was like I shouldn't be here, you know, and I like that. 
I like that. You know, he, he noted maybe, you know, maybe, he, I mean, he's 25. He should it's be starting. It's a good big age. Prove it game. It's a good age to be in the major leagues and stay in the major leagues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you know, falter, come up, do your duty. Like if you win this game one tonight, like I'm going to be ecstatic. Like I, I really, am. Oh, yeah. if they win tonight and even if they sweep this Mets series in Queens, I'm going to be ecstatic. I'm actually, you know, what's funny. I'm actually more worried about Eflin start in game two against Walker than I am falter tonight. Because I I'm know not as how... worried about Carlos Carrasco either. Cause he seems like the guy if exactly. can get on and he's not like a hyper power pitcher. Right. And we can really get on sometimes when we don't get on those guys, they dice you up and it's like, what's going and everyone starts tunneling, but our offense can get something going and it can be a bit of a slugfest, which we've proven we can get runs against the Mets. Yes, we can. Well, and we've also proven that we can't twice. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah I'm going to be it's like, <laughs> it, it, you know, I know it's, it's, it's hard. You know, we've had a mixed bag of results. There have been all of the games that we've played against the Mets more or less like they're all winnable. They're all very like, there's always just like, you know, the Mets just got, were a little bit more clutch at certain points. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's frustrating because you know, the Phillies can do better. You know, the Phillies team is better than them. In my opinion, I think they are better. Than no, them. I think they, I think the Mets are very talented. I think the Phillies have a little bit more. The Mets seem to be more of, that's the thing we talked about earlier with edge and positive, you know, not positivity, but mental mindset the Mets seem to be more of a cohesive team than the Phillies at least in the lineup yes. you know what I mean like yeah, not as true. much dangling parts but rather one body and one like cohesive amoebic force that's like <laughs> it's the yeah, shit out just, of the ball <laughs> uh, yeah but I still think that Queens as a whole is is a curse I mean you know no, I agree DeGrom and Scherzer being out for six to eight weeks like it's you know <laughs> it's like bro and then McGill is out too McGill, so like you know, the injury bug just never ceases in Queens. Like, I don't remember the last time that Scherzer was really out for that long ever in his career. In to the be past fair. few years, at like, least. don't get me wrong, even in Detroit, I know, I know he's old, older now. He's like, you know, he's he's an older pitcher now, but like, still, <laughs> I mean, not in his resume, yeah, I know, it's, it's like not. a weird thing for him to be hurt, it's just especially when he was this dominant. Yeah, I know. And the thing is, you know, the Mets hitters are definitely hitting better than they did last year, for sure. And, you know, last year, the Mets couldn't, the Mets couldn't score runs for their pitchers at all. They were terrible at the play Beautiful to watch. It was great. It was a great season. <laughs> I mean, like, not great for the Phillies in the end. I mean, you know, we made it above 500, didn't make the playoffs, but like, you know hopefully that changes I, I like you know if they if the, if the Phillies sweep this Mets series go into facing good old Gabe and the Giants on Tuesday which they are doing you like, can't tank this series because of the hard series coming up no 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 they need to sweep this series the Phillies need to sweep this series like this needs to be a one two three sorry bye bye flushing Queens out of here go home to Philly and actually win two out of three at the very least against San Francisco. I want, I want, I want to throw a, a wheatgrass shake in Gabe Kapler's face <laughs> and his hippie nonsense. That's what I want to happen. Like I want revenge so badly for Lemon him getting grass, manager of geez. the year. <laughs> I need, I need the revenge. 
on the California <laughs> on the Cali boy afterwards. And then we need the hometown hero to come in and get just, smoked. Get smoked. I have a feeling that I have a feeling that Shohei Otani is going to get lit up by the Phils next weekend. I think he's the type of pitcher one that Harper could feast on. I'm very excited about Harper is rounding into form even more so. And you mm-hmm. say rounding into form, he missed like four days. And Dude, then he's, he's hitting like a three, little off. He's hitting like three, then he's 318, 320. Literally right the best now. hitter it's, in it's, baseball. It's insane it's, to watch. It's, a, it's brilliant. You know, I think that, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking Manny Machado at all. He's having a great season. But the thing is, you know, I think that people got to like, you know, DH for MVP number two. I mean, you got to <laughs> think about it. No, seriously. I know. I think that, you know, Harper is going to definitely has to be in that race average home runs rbis all the factors get considered and it's early too yeah and this is a typical harper yeah and you know harper's probably gonna be back in the field by august september i mean how much feeling so i hope hope so so too but like i mean how much feeling do you really need out of your mvp let's let's be honest let's let's be honest it's not a fielding (laughs) award like like it's really it's 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 a batting award i don't care what anyone says (laughs) it's a pure batting award (laughs) literally a batting but anyway thank you to everyone good morning good evening good afternoon i i'm we're both glad that you listened to the both of us today on the phillies you know it was a little bit of a longer episode but you know we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot to feast on. Good, the bad, and the ugly. So a thank you to, to everyone on. who joined us for the 215 Seamer Podcast. I'm your co-host, Matt Kerwin, and this is Dylan Campbell. Thanks, guys.